sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Greetings this morning in Jesus' name. It's good to be here in the house of God, worshiping Him. Hopefully that's what we all came for today, is to worship God and to be encouraged and to grow in our relationship with Him. Why don't we pause for a word of prayer before we begin? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your long-suffering and your mercy upon us. Father, I pray that you would help us to truly adore you, like we sang that last song. Help us, Father, to have a heart that is truly bent in adoration to you, Father, so that you can use us for your glory and your honor, and that we may be able, through the power that you give us, to quench all those fiery darts that are assailed against us. And if we are truly worshiping and adoring you, that shield of faith will work, Lord, and I pray that you would help us to, that we would find ourselves in that spot. Pray that you'd be with us this morning. Pray that You would encourage and you'd bless the words that are spoken this morning that that we could receive strength. Pray that you'd be with us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I always really appreciate that song, Christ. We do all adore thee. The question is, are we really adoring Christ? What does that mean? How does that look? What does it really mean to adore Christ? Kind of goes with what I want to talk about this morning. I don't feel like I have a lot, but I have a few thoughts and encouragements, I hope, and challenges that I feel is for me. This is uh, something that I need in my life. And I suppose... Every Christian does. The battle is real. The uh, enemy is real. And we need to adore Christ. What I'd like to talk about this morning is our thirsting after God, our hungering after God, which ties in a lot with uh, adoring Christ. For a few verses, why don't we turn to uh, to John 7. And we'll read verse 37 and 38. Beginning in verse 37, in John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, 
Now we have to think about what Jesus did here. Many times when he spoke parables or he preached a message, in my imaginations I don't see him crying out. I know there's a few <clears throat> there's a few times he did. But when he said when the Bible talks about Jesus crying out, I believe it represents a great burden that Jesus had and wanted everybody to hear. He says, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I believe in every heart of every human being there is a desire to know truth, to know joy, to know peace, to know no loneliness, to know fulfillment. And I believe Jesus, I know Jesus knew the only place that they could find that is in him. Therefore he cried saying, listen, if you thirst, come to me and drink. If you thirst, come to me and drink because that's the only place we can find what we are longing for. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knows that. The question is that I want everybody to answer honestly in their heart is, am I actually thirsting? What does it mean to actually thirst? What does it mean to actually be hungry? What does it mean to have a thirst? Jesus wants to fill that. Am I actually thirsting? Do I have a thirst? Why don't we turn to Psalms 42? Verse 1 and 2. As the heart, or I believe he's probably talking about a deer, panteth after the water, brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. O God, my soul thirsteth for for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Here David is describing his thirst like a deer that is probably running and running, and there's one thing in its mind, and that is I've got to have a drink of water. For an example, have you ever experienced this? And maybe you haven't. I know I have. You kind of feel hungry. So you go over to the refrigerator, which is completely full of food, and you look in there, and there's nothing to eat. You stand there, and there's nothing to eat. And yet you feel this hunger. Or maybe your refrigerator's half full. There's lots of food in there, but there's just nothing to eat. So what happens, you then begin to pick at this and pick at that, and you go to the cupboard and you eat a little bit of this, And by the time the evening's over, or afternoon, or whatever, you have eaten a whole bunch of junk. You feel full, but you don't feel satisfied. Maybe none of you have ever experienced that, but I know I have. After you've eaten a bunch, you still don't feel satisfied. Did you know that can be as an example of our spiritual lives? There are many things out there that may look like they satisfy There is a longing in each one of our hearts to be full, to be filled. 
Am I going to the right source? We can eat a whole bunch of this stuff and it feels empty even though we're partaking of it. Do I actually have a real hunger and thirst? If you think of another example, maybe you have been working hard and sweating and there comes a point in time where there's one thing you need and that is a cold drink of water. And there's almost nothing as satisfying as a cup of cold water after you're hot, you're sweaty, you're tired. There's nothing as satisfying as that. And it really satisfies what you've been longing for. Now, these may be fears that we have. We kind of know what we need to do and where we need to drink from. Are we sometimes worried of the cost of what it may cost us when we drink from the true well? Are we worried what it may cost us? Are we worried of what our reputation may look like or what maybe it will cost us if we really drink from where we know we need to drink? Let's turn to Luke 15. In verse, I'd like to read 1 through 7. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loot? If you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he findeth it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders and rejoiceth. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep, for I have found my sheep which was, which was lost." I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. So here he's giving kind of an example of a lost sheep that is out in the wilderness, that is out in the, that is lost, and he findeth it. The sinner repents of his sins and he becomes, he comes back into the fold. And there's great rejoicing in heaven. And it probably doesn't do any, I'm sure it just overwhelms Jesus with joy that a lost sheep has been found. But do you know what I think, this is some imaginations, do you know what I think is probably a great burden to Jesus? As he may be bringing that sheep back that he found out in the wilderness. Just imagine with me, let's say he has four or five or six sheep in the fold that are beginning to grow weak. They're not drinking, and there's nothing he can do to make them drink. He can lead them to water, but he can't make them drink. He can lead them into green pasture, but he can't make them eat. And just imagine with me as he's walking back with this lost sheep that he's found, as his heart may be burdened with the six or seven that are not being 
fed, and drinking. And they're slowly but surely getting weaker and weaker. And he he can see it. They may be in the fold, but they're not being satisfied with which he is crying, come to me and drink. He may rejoice over the lost one that's found. Praise the Lord, that one is no longer in the thicket. But how sad he is for those who he gives everlasting life, but he can't make him drink. They're getting weaker and weaker. The things of this world are beginning to have a stronger and stronger hold on them. He is losing communication with them, and there's nothing he can do. Their flame is slowly but surely getting cold. He will blow on it. He will do everything he can to keep that from going out. But he can't make us drink. Do we really have a hunger and a thirst for God? Or... Am I getting just enough that I think I'll make it and I'm feeding also on this junk that may be around me? Or the thing is, if we're doing that, we're slowly but surely finding our satisfaction or not satisfaction. We're trying to fill our needs with other things. Hungering and thirsting, I believe, is a God-given desire in every person. But nurturing that is only up to us. That's something God can't do. He can give us the free gift. He can give us the living water, but he can't make us drink. I will guarantee you that when we ask God for a true longing and a thirst... He will fill us. I will guarantee that the peace that we're looking for will be there. The loneliness that we may experience will leave when we find, when we begin drinking from that. We will begin to have fellowship with God that is not only an outward expression of worship. It is an inward feeling. You know, there's many people that say, yes, we can feel God's presence and speaking to us. There's not a shadow of a doubt in their minds. Is that how it is for me? Or do I drink and just a little bit to say I did it? But slowly but surely, we are not getting enough. Do we feel full? Turn to number. Uh, turn to Psalm sixty-three, verse one through eight. <clears throat> Psalm sixty-three. David again says, "Here, O God, Thou art my God." 
Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry, thirsty land where no water is. He sees that in this land there is no water except for God. Do we see that? He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall, ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall be, and as a tottering fence. Um, I went to the wrong chapter. Sorry about that. 63.1, I think I stopped in verse 1, where no water is. Okay, verse 2, sorry about that. To see thy power and thy glory, as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness <clears throat> is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. <clears throat> thus will I bless thee with, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadows of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. We can see a true hunger and a thirst from David that he realized there is none other other than him. I would like to look at four evidences that we truly have a real hunger for God. A hunger that is intimate with God. One where we can feel him speak and we can feel him lead us. And we can feel him when we make decisions. <clears throat> the question still is, Am I really thirsty for God? Or when I come to God in prayer, prayers, <clears throat> prayers a good, is a way of communication. Do I come to God in prayer in the morning with one hand out or both hands out? Give me this, Lord, bless me today. I want one, two, three, four, ninety-nine, a hundred things done by the day. Is that how I come to God? Do I come to God in prayer only in situations that I face. Or my thirsty, am I, my thirsting, is it being quenched throughout the day in my meditations, in my mind, just throughout the day that prayer is a way of life or communication with him. And it's not only in the tough times that I come thirsty, but it is Something I feel that, and maybe you have felt this too in a, in a natural sense already. When you're working hard and it's hot and you're sweating a lot, you know you got to keep drinking. Once you stop sweating, you start overheating. you got to keep drinking to stay hydrated. Is that how my spiritual life is? Do I feel I'm in the battle enough that i got to keep drinking? Or am I not fighting so I don't need to drink? Evidence number one that I believe is a true evidence 
that I am really hungering and thirsting is a love for the word of God. A desire to see more of God. And it's a little bit of a paradox with God and this, this living water. It is very satisfying, but yet you never get enough. How I'd like to explain that is you are completely satisfied in God. You need no other. But you always want more of him. There is nothing else that you will feel completely satisfied in. There are many other things that you will always need more of in this world. But there isn't anything that you will feel satisfied in. Except for God. How is my love for the word of God? Is this something that I feel in my heart? Is this something that I make personal? Is this something I love? That's a good indicator of how really thirsty am I? How much do I feel my need? How hungry am I? Or am I being satisfied with unsatisfying things? The love for the Lord, like David said, early he gets up. He knows he's in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Do I see this as my only salvation? Do I see the word of God as a personal letter to me? Do I really have a hunger? Do I really have that feeling that I know, I know that God speaks to me? Evident number two, that that we have a true hunger, I believe is loving to spend time with God. Or do we too often make it a one-way street? Like I said before, we come to God and we say, give me this, give me that. Thank you for a nice day. Protect us today. Which Those are all good things. But do we love to spend time with the Lord? Or do we have so many other things going that we just don't have time? And I would say, be careful when you say, Lord, you can do this. And this will be kind of a test of how desperate we are. We can say, Lord, help me to have enough of time with you. Now, God knows what horizontal means. He could lay us flat and make us have time to where we could do nothing else. I have heard testimonies of that, of people praying, Lord, help me or make me have time. And something happened. They were on their back for two weeks or whatever, where they could only, where they, had, where they couldn't do anything else. How is our time spent? Do we find spending time with God as a duty to keep our spiritual life alive? 
we all know that we need to spend time with God. Is it a time that we, oh yes, I've got to spend some time for my relationship, so I'm going to take this time and I'm going to go spend it. Is it like that? Or is it something that we long for? Is it something that we thirst for? To have that time where we know God speaks to us. As we learn how to do those things, a love will begin to grow for the word of God and spending time with him. Evident number three, I, begin, I believe, will become very um, true in our life. <clears throat> As we feel our need and we feel our thirst, the third thing that will begin to happen after we learn to love the Word of God and we exercise in that, we feel our need, and we begin to spend time with God, we will begin to be freed from the tug of this world. That will begin to happen automatically. It's not something that we have to fight against as much. Once we see, and once we feel, and once we find ourselves in a true love for the word, and a true love to to spend time with God, those things that used to be so important to us, we begin to look at as, do I really need them? Are they really that important? Is it, you know what I mean? The things of this world will begin. We 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 will begin to be freed from automatically. So, a question that we can ask ourselves is: How hard am I working to try and not let the world creep in? Whatever that may be, it may not just be. Uh, I guess I'm not sure what, for example. How hard am I fighting against the flesh? It is something that we have to face and fight against. But we will begin to be freed from that if we truly and honestly have a hunger and thirst for the Lord and we begin to spend time in the Word of God and love it. And we begin to have a love for the Word of God. we will begin to be freed from the tug of this world. I hope we can honestly answer these questions in our heart because the devil does not want any of these four four points to be evident in our life. Number four, that will also begin to happen when we have a real deep hunger And we find that intimate relationship with God where we can say he's actually my friend. He's not just my God. He's my personal friend. When we can say, yes, he speaks to me. When we can say, yes, he changes me day by day and helps me make decisions. We're going to want to begin to share it with other people. Like David said here in Psalm 63, it says... Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. 
It's an evident. It's part of it. It's an evident in our life. Is that something that we feel, how do we, how do we feel about that? Sharing about what God has done for us. We know we should. But if it's not real, it's hard to talk about. If something is real to us, it just kind of expresses itself. How is it for me? And it's not like you have to go out and just stuff everything down in everybody's throat. It's a way of life. Hey, I am excited. This works. This love of God. We can be happy. We can have the peace that you're longing for. The joy is just, will be then the salt that God talks about. It makes other people thirsty. If we don't have that, it's not very, um, it's not very attractive to other people when we witness, but it's not part of our life. So as we go from here this week, if every one of us could honestly answer these questions in our heart of how really thirsty am I? Is it something that these are very evident in my life? I know for me, when I was studying at this, I have a long ways to go. But I want to go there because... We are in a land where no water is, so to speak. You know, life, we are, there's, there's, there's no water. There's no nourishment outside of God. The other thing I'd like for each of us to think about this week is many of us... are born again and we may not be the sheep that is out lost in the in the cold or the thicket but are we some of those sheep that just won't drink and God's burden about us I don't know if there's anything more burdensome to God than a sheep that he loves and died for And is in the fold, but is losing ground. I I don't know. There's, let's not be those. Or maybe I should say this, let's recognize if we are. Because until we come to that point... God can't, let me see if I can, God can't take us further until we come to a point where we recognize we are at that spot. God will always bring us to something that we, or not always, maybe I should restate it like this. God brings us to places in our life as we grow. And if there's something that we hold on to and say, not that. Or we come to a place and say, that's not me. 
God will stop right there. And he won't take us further until we are willing to say, that's me. And what we're really doing is saying, God, or saying, this is more important than what you want from me, Lord. This is more important than my willingness to commune with you, because he's always going to bring us right there. Because he knows that won't bring whatever it is it needs to be getting out of the way to communicate with him or to be led by him. So let's think about that this week. I don't have much more. Is how really thirsty are we? These evidences in my life or in that I that I had these four points are a good gauge of our communion with him. The tug of the world, or you could put in anything there, this my own way, my own desires, my, my desire for recognition, my desire for, you put in there, your desires, our desires, the tug of my desire, how hard am I trying to accomplish what I want to accomplish? My actual love for the word of God, is it a duty or is it a time that, or is it a communication and loving to spend time with God? I think I'll leave it at that. Hopefully it's encouraging, but yet challenging because I feel like it is very pertinent to our Christian life. Not that, and I, I think what we need to be careful of, and I speak this to myself, is that sheep that doesn't drink and gets weak and begins to fall and begins to slide back. God can go look for the lost and call them and they respond. But if he puts the living water in front of us, he can't make us drink. It is our job to nourish that desire that I believe he has put into us. Every human being is to know the truth. He has put that in us because he knew he's the only one that can fill it. And what a relationship that can be. See, if he puts that desire in us, And he's the only one that can really fulfill it. There is no better relationship than that. But he can't make us do it. He can't make us, he can't nourish, oh, he can nourish that, but he can't make us drink. Let's think about this week, that this week. Because we want to come out victorious and not weak and not sick. Because the devil sees those. He sees those weak ones, just like a lion does. The ones that are lagging behind, they're easy targets. So let's pray for each other. And let's, I believe if we ask God for a real hunger and thirst, he will fulfill the desires of our heart. But we have to be willing 
whatever it may cost, to drink at that well, that water. So may the Lord add his blessing to those few words.